We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Thursday, March 16th, 2023. And I am joined today by my good buddy. I've worked with this guy. I have talked to this guy over Gchat for way too many years, it seems like. But uh, he's one of the best in the business. He's currently at CBS Sports, and he does a fantastic job over there. Uh, please welcome my friend, RJ Anderson. RJ, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, thank you for having me. And I should hire you as my publicist based on that introduction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we can talk afterwards about what we can do there. Um, today's show is going to be mostly focused on spring training breakouts, but I wanted to go over a couple of things real quick with RJ. We got some breaking news last night that is just a massive bummer, especially for it kind of adds ammunition to the people who hate this tournament. I love this tournament to death and nothing is going to change that. But there's no doubt that the talking point of this tournament now is not going to be who won it. It's going to be that Edwin Diaz is very likely to miss the rest of the season because of a torn patella in his, I believe it's right knee. This stinks, RJ. And it's uh, such a bummer. This could have happened anywhere, but of course it happened in the World Baseball Classic. I guess what I'll ask you, RJ, is as a fantasy baseball show, you know, you have, your first thoughts, of course, are poor Edwin Diaz, but your second thoughts, unfortunately, sometimes go to who the heck is going to save games for the New York Mets now? I think we both kind of agree, maybe, <laughs> without having talked to you about it, that this might be a situation where they're making trades. But if they're not doing that, if they're going with internal options, who do you think makes sense here? Yeah, I think for the time being, and at least early in the season, you're probably going to see a committee approach. You know, they did sign David Robertson over the offseason. They retained Adam Ottavino. They traded for Brooks Raley. I know Raley is dealing with his own injury issues, so we'll see what his status is for opening day. But I think because of the time of the year, you know, it's really difficult to make trades for, um, you know, established late inning relievers. You know, they might be right. able to go out there and get a middle relief type off waivers or trade for someone who has an opt out in their contract and who isn't going to make a never team's 26 player roster. But realistically, I think, that they have to pocket those aspirations of acquiring a veteran closer until closer to the trade deadline. Yeah. And I think there are some names who could make sense there. Like a David Bednar, I think is somebody who's always been talked about as a potential trade candidate. And this is not necessarily talked about this much this year for obvious reasons, but somebody who could make sense. But yeah, I, I think this is a kind of a, a wait and see situation and that's, that's hard, especially for people who have already drafted this year, because you probably drafted Diaz as the first or second closer off the board. I know that in a recent league that I was playing in, he was not only the first reliever off the board, he was the first pitcher I took. So that's wow. not going to work out so well for me. But yeah, I'm probably targeting. The other guy I was kind of thinking about as an internal option is another guy who's hurt. Uh, Bryce Montes de Oka, who has sensational stuff, a little bit of trouble landing it, but he's been a guy I've liked ever since he was at Missouri as a uh Starting pitching prospect, kind of, but it was always very much assumed that he was going to move to relief. I think that could be an option, but yeah, this is a huge bummer for anybody who, for Mets fans, for fans of just good baseball players, because Edwin Diaz is just as fun to watch, I think, as any pitcher. And it takes such a damper from what was an awesome game, too, between Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic and an awesome atmosphere as well. But man, this is, and I'll ask you this too, RJ is 
for next year, do you still think Edwin Diaz should be one of the first relievers off the board, assuming he does miss all of this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on the history of this injury. Honestly, I haven't done the research yet on what exactly recovery from it looks like. You know, if pitchers who come back maybe have reduced velocity or something like that. So I would say do mm-hmm. your research on that. You know, there are plenty of really good resources out there nowadays that allow you to look at the history of an injury or an operation. Uh, Baseball Prospectus, for instance, has a really cool tool that allows you to do some uh, digging around and, you know, Mm -hmm. compare past cases. So I should do that after we get done talking. Maybe I should have done it before we started talking. Um, But, yeah, um, I think based on his track record, you know, based on the quality of stuff, we know that provided this injury and, provided the operation he's undergoing doesn't have a bad history and a bad track record. We know he's going to come back and still be pretty good. You know, is he going to match last year? Well, the reality is he probably wasn't going to match last year, even if he had stayed healthy just because of how good he was. But yeah, I would feel comfortable uh, provided the research checks out, still drafting him fairly highly. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, but it is such a bummer. I, I keep saying it, but like, he is literally one of my and one of my grandma's favorite players as well. She loved watching Edwin Diaz come in and for those saves. Um, another injury that I wanted to talk to you about briefly that doesn't really have an effect for 2023. I'm I, I'm sure some people may have drafted him in the very late rounds in some mixed leagues, but Cade Cavalli is considered by a lot of people to be one of the better pitching prospects in for the national system, certainly, and by some sort one of the better prospects in baseball. But unfortunately going to undergo Tommy John reconstructive surgery. This is a player I'm having real trouble with as a prospect guy as himself who has, you know, covered prospects for a little bit. I'm kind of out a little bit on Kate Cavalli now. Where do you kind of sit with him in his future prospectus? Yeah, I'm a licensed and certified prospect expert. <laughs> so just got to get that out there. You know, the certification pass. I passed the certification test. I mean, hey, yeah, Cavalli <laughs> is interesting because by the time he gets back, he's going to be, you know, 25 and a half years old. And yeah. unfortunately, he has no track record of success in the majors. You know, you look at him almost as if he's still a prospect, which I suppose he is technically. But if you look at him from those lens, you know, he's someone who has really good stuff. He is a good athlete. He was a two-way player at Oklahoma before he was drafted and before he gave up the hitting side of things to focus exclusively on pitching. And, you know, you check those boxes. You usually have something going on. Unfortunately, sure. you know, the command and uh, other aspects have popped up, you know, consistency and all that. And it's limited his ability to transfer those skills to being, you know, a quality starting pitcher. And right. I don't know. I, uh, we were talking about this before I came on and I said, you know, I almost wonder if his body's not going to allow him to start, which stinks, but it's possible that they funnel him into relief. And I could see him being a very good reliever if that were to happen. Unfortunately, you know, if you're drafting next year, right. I don't know if you can do more than, you know, a late round flyer. If you're in a really deep league with, you know, keeper options and all that stuff. I mean, you're the fantasy expert here. I know you passed your certification test for that, so I'll defer yeah. in that realm. But I would—that's yeah. kind of how I envision him as someone you probably just wait and see. Let him prove that he can come back. Let him prove that either he can, you know, take a rotation spot or you know, slot into the bullpen and throw strikes more consistently. At that point, then I think you start valuing him more in fantasy leagues. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And you know, it's it's such a bummer too because. When he's at his best, he shows two plus plus pitches and uh, sometimes the ability to throw them for strikes. But that's my biggest concern with Cavalli going forward is the fact that he had well below average command and now is going to miss a year. There's a history of a track record of guys who can't throw strikes who come back a year later. It doesn't usually get better, and oftentimes it does get worse. So kind of out on Cavalli, unfortunately, as a starting pitching prospect. I think the relief thing is a really good call because, you know, at 6'4", 232, I think he does have at least the build to be handle the modern ridgers of a bullpen more so than necessarily what he would be as a um, handle the modern ridgers of the bullpen better than he would like pitching every fifth or sixth day as a starter. And I think the stuff plays better too. I think the fact that he doesn't really have to even worry about a third or fourth pitch when he's pitching out of the bullpen, you know, he does have some decent tertiary options, but I would much rather have him go out max effort, full strength, fastball slider, 
miss bats and he could be really good in that type of role. I wanted to ask you about the MLB draft because it's my baby and I know it's something you've covered extremely well over the last couple of years. You know, a lot of people are playing in dynasty leagues and redraft or not redraft leagues and keeper leagues where they really have to focus on this 2023 draft class because it's really their way. Only way to be adding players is not through uh, a redraft league, but rather through the MLB draft. I think this is a pretty strong group, especially from fantasy perspective. I just wanted you to highlight like two or three guys that you think could have a chance to be fantasy relevant that come out of this class. Yeah, so I think we start at the very top of the class with Dylan Cruz. Uh, I know he's my number one player. I believe he's your number one player as well at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a veteran scout tell me this spring that he thought that Cruz was the most obvious number one pick entering a draft cycle since Bryce Harper. And, you know, you can disagree with that assessment. There have been some pretty good prospects the last, you know, decade. But, you know, that's high praise. And that's not someone who's – uh, prone to overstatement. So I take that very seriously. And, you know, why wouldn't you want Dylan Cruz at number one if you're the Pirates? He's got right. a chance to be a really good hitter. He's polished. You know, he might be able to play center field to begin his big league career. It's a heck of a package. And so I think he's the most obvious fantasy relevant prospect in this draft. Uh, another guy I really liked who I thought might work his way into consideration for the number one pick based on potential financial aspects and you know if the pirates want to go to the portfolio approach they've used in the past would be Wyatt Langford you know he's Mm -hmm. unfortunately out right now with a lower body injury he's an outfielder for the University of Florida so another SEC outfielder really good hitter has a lot of coin flips chance of playing center field in the big leagues I really like him a lot uh hopefully he comes back healthy sooner than later and you know continues to prove that he's a legitimate top three pick or top five if, you know, some people favor some of the high school outfielders or what have you. And then, you know, I wanted to kind of mix it up here by going outside of, you know, the top, I would say top 15, top 20. I really like Mitch Jeb. You know, mm. he's a speedy left-handed hitter for Michigan State. It's easy to sleep on these Midwestern players. It's easy to sleep on any cold state player. He makes a lot of contact. He's fast. It wouldn't surprise me if someone drafts him in the first round and sees him as their version of Stephen Kwan, you know, the brilliant Guardians rookie outfielder because of the contact, because of the speed, because of the potential of the glove. I just think he's really interesting. And I've I've kind of jokingly told some people, like, watch the Milwaukee Brewers. If he's on the board when they pick, they're taking (laughs) him because that just seems to fit their style. But I think he's got a a chance to contribute batting average. He's got a chance to steal bases. He's got a chance to score a lot of runs at the top of a lineup. And I just, I really like him as kind of an under the radar choice who still might go in the first round. Yeah, that's a great call. And uh, again, those are guys you should be focusing on. Another guy I kind of wanted to profile real quick was Enrique Bradfield Jr. of Vanderbilt, just because dude can fly and a very good defensive player. So I can see him moving quickly. I have some questions about the offensive upside, but if you're looking for, that stolen base guy, it's not hard for me to imagine Enrique Bradfield being a high stolen base player at the professional level. Uh, real quickly, the pitchers, is there any – I think it's a better class than we had last year, which is not saying a whole heck of a lot. Right, but right. Uh, any of those pitchers that you're really focusing on that you think could be in the mix if you're in a dynasty league to be one of those top arms off the board? Yeah, I think Hurston Waldrop is the guy I was – higher on than most publications. I just really believe in the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he transferred from a smaller school to University of Florida. So he's teammates with Langford. In sure. case you couldn't tell, Florida has some good players. Florida has a good program. <laughs> Not just yeah, saying that okay. because of the Tom Petty tree either. You know, they're, they're legit. But, you know, he has swing and miss stuff. I mean, if you've seen him at all, I mean, he's he's nasty. You know, I know mm-hmm. Chase Dahlberg is probably going to be the first arm off the board. But for my money, Waldrop, is probably going to be the second, assuming he stays healthy and continues to perform like I expect him to perform. So I think in terms of strikeouts and just being a good pitcher, he has a he's a pretty favorable case to be the number two pitcher off the board. And then real quick before uh, we get into the second half of the show, uh, Paul Skeens, I know we talked about him briefly, like on a, a Google chat not too long ago. Has your opinion <laughs> of him changed at all, or is he still somebody that you're a little more hesitant on? I want to see it in SEC play before I completely say I was wrong, but you know, hats up to him. He's been incredible to start the season and he's looking, making me look pretty stupid. I mean, to be fair, 
I still had him, what, 18th? <laughs> yeah, 16th, it's not like you still were had way off on him or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no. and I said Wes Johnson is his pitching coach. Wes Johnson's really good. You know, We know mm-hmm. him from his college days. We know him from his time with the Minnesota Twins. It wasn't surprising to me, it, or excuse me, it wouldn't be surprising to me if I'm completely wrong and Skeens solidifies himself as a top 10, top five pick. You know, the, my reservations about him, just to recap them really quickly, were that, you know, I had analysts and scouts point out that his fastball axis wasn't very favorable. And sure. they didn't think he was going to miss bats against SEC quality competition because, you know, it, he kind of struggled at times to miss bats against players he was facing at Air Force, um, right. which, you know, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same quality of competition. So nothing against Skeens. He's a really interesting story. Really big guy. I mean, if you think of Jameson Tyone, that's basically what he looks like physically to me. And hey, credit to him if he's made the necessary adjustments. That's a point in his favor, so far as I'm concerned. And not the first time I'm wrong. Won't be the last time I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time, and that's that's just the reality of the game, especially with the draft. I mean, gosh, it's such a oh yeah, you know, it's such a lottery basically. It really is, and I don't like the term crapshoot, but at the same time. If you use a different variation of the word crapshoot, you're not wrong. <laughs> it, there yeah, is right. an awful lot that can go right and wrong. And the reason I wanted to bring him up, too, is that, like, I think we sometimes have the danger of something we call stat scouting. And I'm not saying stats don't matter. It's just, look, let's see what happens when some of these guys face the upper echelon competition. And there is no better test for skeins than the SEC. I know people sometimes get sick of hearing about them in other sports. But they're the best of the best. Let's just be honest here. They are the cream of the crop. There's a reason why so many of these players from that conference end up going in the first round. But yeah, at his size and with the fact that, you know, with some obvious questions about fastball shape, which is going to matter, I do think he has a chance to be a very interesting starter. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're going to look at five hitters who have broken out over spring training, whether RJ and I believe that there is a chance for this to be we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 total dollars in prizes. In best ball, all you're doing is joining a contest, you draft your team, and that is it. There's no waivers, there's no trades, and there's no in-season management. 
draft 20 rounds of players, and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is very simple. You go to underdogfantasy.com, you sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 dinger today. And if you are looking for a place to customize your fantasy league and play a variety of formats, can't recommend Fantrax enough. Create the scoring system that you want to play with, the waivers, the categories, the scoring system, the schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and the best part of it is it's all free. I'm in several Fantrax leagues, and I'm starting a couple more. The ease of play is second to none, whether you're playing Redraft, Dynasty, Keeper, or any other format. If you sign up today, you'll be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All Fantrax users will also be entered in the MLB Game Day Experience Giveaway, which includes free tickets and $1,000 for travel and accommodations for you and your league mates. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right, so let's talk about some guys who have really stood out in spring training. There's been a bunch of fun ones, but being a Seattle boy, I'm going to start with my my buddy, the guy who I think has been really the most impressive player in spring training. Jared Kelnick has just absolutely destroyed baseballs. Coming into today, sitting 438, he has four homers. He's also stolen three spaces. He has a 1.409 OPS in Cactus League play. With the caveat that uh, Jared Kelnick has really struggled, and with the caveat that spring training numbers often do not carry over, how excited should fantasy managers be about Jared Kelnick's start? And are you believing that this could be the start of something big? Well, I hope so. Um, you know, he's not far removed from being one of the top prospects in the game for a reason. He has a really sure. exciting skill set, a really high ceiling if everything clicks. I am still I'm still a little reserved though, because we've seen him struggle so much in the majors and sure. the issues that he struggled with, and obviously you can speak to this better than I do because you watch the Mariners every single day and I do not. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Including in spring training, <laughs> is that he struggled with you know breaking ball recognition and the ability to you know, layoff breaking balls. And I know he had made some progress or had seemingly made some progress with that dating back to last season. But, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like when I see him this spring, he's been slaughtering fastballs and maybe it's just, you know, I've only seen him a couple of times and, you know, sample size is playing against me, but I still have some reservations. And so I actually see him face good breaking balls and lay off them or make the necessary adjustments. And, you know, to your point about how spring training improvements don't always carry over to the regular season i will note that if you look at his quality of competition faced it's still closer to triple a level than it is to the majors so i'm going to be very intrigued to see if his numbers deflate once we get a little closer to opening day and we're what two weeks out now and he's facing you know closer to big league level talent and i'm not saying they will fade again i i'm completely open-minded about the idea of him improving the ways he needed to improve. I just want to see it against that quality of competition before I buy in. Uh, what do you think? You think he's actually, is this the beginning of the breakout? So I think it could be. And I think could is like the, the ultimate, like there's so much, there's a lot of volatility here. Like I can see Jared Kelnick because of that sample size that is not that small now of being a very bad baseball player. I'm sorry that it, that's one of the worst offensive lines of any regular that you will see for more than a season. It's a good two years of being really bad, but I think it's worth pointing out that let's just go with MLB.com's prospect list for the heck of it. He's younger than 20 of those players. I mean, there is a lot to like about the fact that Jared Kelnick Sometimes struggles are good for you. I think that's true in real life, and I think that's true in baseball, that sometimes you have to have that step back in order to take steps forward. Now, look, I wish it would have been 2021, the struggles carrying over into 2022, but 2022 was bad as well, and that's why I get a little bit of hesitancy. 
But I see him repeating his swing so much more consistently in spring training than I did in the regular season. And I think that's big. I think the fact that he has, you know, he's talked about having a different mental approach at the plate. He's drawing more pitches. I think that's a massive thing for Kelnick. He's a much different player than I thought. The, like the guy who I saw who I thought had 70 hit, that's done. He's, he's not going yeah. to be that guy because he had the – like most players, unfortunately, average just isn't the big thing for him. They want him to tap into his plus-plus power instead. And he has done that in spring training. I get a little bit of a Major League Two vibe sometimes with uh, Willie Mays Hayes and the fact that he's <laughs> crushing pitches off of guys. Like that pitch that everybody showed. And again, it was off of Devin Williams, who was obviously one of the best pitchers, that yeah. he hit over the center field. Well, that was a... Batting practice fastballs would go, oh, this isn't actually very good. This is not like that was a pitch that everybody should have crushed. But my good buddy Ryan Divish at the Seattle Times brought up the point. That pitch, he pops up to center field because who has popped up more than Jared Kelnick over the last year? I don't even have the numbers to say it, but I guarantee you it's Jared flipping Kelnick because he has really struggled to actually drive the baseball. Long story short. Yes, I do think that is very possible. Should you be drafting him in fantasy like it's going to happen? No, you should have him as one of your bench outfielders and hope that it works out. But man, I'm really hopeful because (laughs) it's big for my Seattle Mariners. It's be big for fantasy teams as well. They really need him to be closer to a middle of the order guy. I imagine that they'll hit him seventh or eighth. That's the other reason why I'm a little worried in fantasy. Seattle Mariner back end of the lineup, not so great. Maybe a chance to get driven in by that Julio Rodriguez guy here and there. But there's a lot of risk to go with that reward. That was a long answer, RJ. I apologize. <laughs> I I was just waiting for you to suggest that he should try to become the new Andrew Benatendi and just get everything <laughs> on the ground, use yeah, the speed, man. and just go yeah. full, hey, he go can full dead ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy is ranked pretty similar to where Kelnick was being ranked in terms of prospect rankings. Jordan Walker, uh, 41 yeah. at-bats, three homers, a 1.071 OPS in the Grapefruit League. Did deal with a little bit of a shoulder problem. They're saying that it's not serious. I haven't heard a lot about, and if I miss this, I apologize to everybody, but I think Jordan Walker really does have a chance to be in the opening day lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals, and if not, it's not going to be very much longer after. Is Jordan Walker somebody that you kind of have to draft and redraft leagues, RJ? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're talking about arguably the best power-hitting prospect in the minors, in my opinion, or close to it if he's not. I don't know who you'd put ahead of him necessarily. And, you know, it may take a little while for him to reach his full potential because I think we've seen examples of guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. where, you know, they're able to impact the baseball, but they don't necessarily have the lift to their swings that – lead to the 35 to 40 homer seasons and it takes right. a little while to learn to do that against big league pitching and you know everyone i've talked to who's an evaluator within the industry says hey give me the guy who can impact the baseball we'll figure out the launching aspect at a later date sure. i believe that's fair you know hitting the baseball hard consistently when you're facing good pitching that's an innate quality basically right you're not you know you're probably a lot uh, it's probably a lot safer bet to teach someone who already has that skill set to get underneath the ball a little bit more sure. uh, and to drive it like that. But you're not going to teach someone to hit the ball as hard as he does. And, you know, they're moving him to the outfield, it appears. That's going to take some pressure off him. He's not going to have to mm-hmm. focus so much on the defensive aspect at third base. And, yeah, I think he has a chance to break camp with them. I don't know if the injury, you know, made that far less likely. I don't know how exactly that, you know, manipulated the odds. But, they right. do have a pretty full outfield depth chart. And like you said, if he doesn't actually crack the opening day roster, he's going to be up sooner than later. I don't think there's any question about that, provided he does stay healthy. He's really good. Like, he's really, really good. And, you know, if I was doing a ranking now of prospects that I think are going to help in fantasy, he would probably be third. But that's only because Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll are so good. Like this is like in terms of like rookie fantasy potential, this is could be a pretty special class. And it would be even better if like Adley Rutschman was like <laughs> like a game or two away or not Adley Rutschman. But like there's a bunch of guys here like in the 2022 and 2023 class that have a ton of chance here to be 
really special. Let me ask you real quick about Walker. He's stolen 36 bases in 201 career games. Do you think stolen bases are something that can be, it's tough to say because it's going to be team dependent and stuff, but do you think he's athletic enough to put up a similar type of stolen base total at the major league level? Well, I think that's inflated a little bit because I believe he played in the league where they don't allow pickoffs, right? Or not pickoffs, like they had the rules. Yes, the definite rule change stuff. Florida. So it is manipulated for 2020. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to bring that up. But no, he's athletic. I mean, for yeah. someone of his size and with his power, he can run. Now, you know, the question is, do you want your potential 35-plus home run corner outfielder trying sure. to steal bases? And I think that's something that we really have to wait and see on because conventional wisdom says no. You know, don't risk a hand injury or a finger injury to someone with this kind of offensive potency. But the game's going to change a little bit now, right? And we're going to see what the disengagement rule and what the two-throwover rule means exactly. And you add in the larger bases, you add in this real desire by the league itself to slant back towards athleticism and, you know, excitement and all that good stuff. And who knows, maybe we're entering a new era of slugger still in bases and maybe he has a chance to threaten a 30, 30 season or something really special and absurd like that. I, I hope so. Cause I think that'll yeah. be really fun, but oh, my friend. the answer is just, it depends. And yeah, I know really... that's not a satisfying answer, no. but that's the reality. Absolutely. And that's the thing is that we just kind of have to take a wait and see here. I think double-digit stolen base rates is certainly something that you can expect from Walker. I wouldn't put him in that 25 to 30 stolen base category just yet. But, hey, we didn't think Julio Rodriguez was going to be running as often as he was. And now look at what he's done. There are are exceptions to this rule. And I do think because of um, the changes to the rules that we're going to see more guys run. And so, like, Jordan Walker's 15 stolen bases may be equal to Jordan Walker 10 stolen bases now that we have uh, more guys running. You know, it's it's going right. to be just something that you have to be cognizant of. But long story short, Jordan Walker's offensive ability is palpable. And I really hope we get to see it as soon as possible. Yeah, the Cardinals do have some outfielder guys that are good. There's some solid players. But Jordan Walker in AAA is basically assuming he's healthy. All that is is just delaying the inevitable of him being a really, really good hitter. Uh, I want to talk about Alec Bohm because I like to talk about Alec Bohm as often <laughs> as I can. Um, so he burst onto the scene during the 2020 season, had about as disappointing a 2020, 2021 excuse me, as you could possibly have. And then 2022 was good, but not great but then good, but not great again, but not great, but then good. It was basically as up and down as you can get, but he makes a lot of hard contact. And I have noticed RJ that he has three home runs already in the spring season. Can Alec Bohm be a producer of power in 2023? Man, we've been waiting on it, haven't we? And it kind of goes back to what we just said about Jordan Walker. You know, you have someone here in Bohm who can clearly square the ball up and punish the ball. And that's sort of an innate thing. And the question is, like you said, can he make contact at a more optimal angle? And I would assume, yes. I mean, Kevin Long has a history of getting more power production from players. Look back to Curtis Granderson and his work with him in New York and some of these other players he had there and in his various stops since. And he has excelled at helping them tap into that power, be it with the, right. the net drill or whatever it's called. And, you know, this ever philo- philosophical you know, belief that he, you know, imbues these hitters with. And so I'm still buying in on Alec Boehm having more to offer. Maybe he, maybe I'm stupid for that. You know, this is what third year running. I think I've said that, but I just feel like he's more of an league average hitter. And I know his walk rate was pretty low last season. And granted that doesn't really make a difference in most fantasy leagues, but I just feel like we haven't seen the best of him yet offensively. Now, defensively, that's a different question. Uh, It's not so thrilling on the defensive end, at least if you're, you know, rooting for Bohm's team. But offensively, I really do think there still is some chicken left on the bone, or the bone, I suppose. Yay! There we go. I like that. The please, please run all puns by me before. uh, (laughs) uh, I'm all in on Alec Bohm. I really, I'm, I'm trying to get him as my corner infielder in every draft that I can have because. 
Look, man, this is a guy who at Wichita State, and I know that this sometimes can be a detriment for me that remembering them as a draft prospect showed massive power potential at Wichita State, showed some of it in the minors as well. Yeah, I just think at some point that's going to click, and my guess is it's going to click this year. And it's not so much based on the spring training stuff. It's just based on the talent that he has and how much hard contact and how good he is at scoring at the baseball. By the way, I find this to be a very interesting stat. I don't know if I've ever seen this uh, these two numbers so close together. So Alec Bohm hit 13 home runs last year. He had 10 sacrifice flies, and that led all of baseball. I've never seen a sacrifice fly and home run total that close together. Now, 10 led baseball, so that's an awful lot. 13, obviously, a very low number. But I just think that's really interesting that somebody who uh, was that low on the power statistic was somebody who was able to drive the ball enough to hit 10 sacrifice flies. Don't take that to mean anything for fantasy. It's just an interesting stat that I saw while looking him up. But, yeah, I think the doubles and are going to turn into homers. I don't know if we're talking about a 30-homer guy, but if you put if you put some sort of weapon to my head and say, hey, is this guy going to hit 20 home runs next year? I absolutely believe Bohm will be that guy, and I'll always believe in his ability to hit for average because, again, he squares up the baseball so well. The 277 career average, which is marked down from just, just 2021 was so bad for this kid, and he probably should have been sent down sooner. Uh, than he was. He got, ended up getting 115 games. It probably should have been significantly less than that, but the Phillies really didn't have a better option at that point. But yeah, I am definitely believing in Alec Bohm. This next guy, I'm not so sure how much I'm believing in it, but I'm intrigued by it at least. Josh Lowe, who is not far removed from being a, considered by many to be a top 50 prospect, if not a top 50 prospect, someone who is closer to that range has contributed three homers and three steals so far in the Grapefruit League. I think the biggest question mark with Lowe is going to be playing time, but you're seeing the potential power-speed combination that he can provide. Do you think there's any chance that that can be relevant in 2023? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a really dynamic athlete. Like you said, he has good power. He has good speed. He's going to see time in center field. You know, you know that Kevin Cash is pretty skilled at – putting his players in the position to succeed. And so I expect he's going to be part of a platoon, a timeshare situation. He's going to face favorable matchups based on all their internal analytics and all that good stuff. And I know he was really bad last year. Frankly, almost all the Tampa Bay young hitters were really bad last year with an exception or two. So I just think sometimes it takes individuals a little longer to make that adjustment. And I think he's a decent bat. Now I know some people are not convinced he's going to, hit for average. You know, this might be a skill set that ends up looking a little lean in the average category, and you hope that he makes up for it with his power and with his stolen bases. I don't know. You know, we'll see. I I know some evaluators are actually still high on his ability to hit, like his pure hitting ability, and kind of a surprise to me. So I find myself a little bit in the middle of those camps. Um, Not the highest person I know, and I'm not the lowest person I know. (laughs) So I guess I think he's – I think he's fantasy relevant. I think he's got a chance to be a good player still, a useful player. Am I drafting him highly? Absolutely not. Am I maybe taking a flyer on him? If someone like Kellenick doesn't strike me as interesting or fruitful, then yeah, sure. I would, I would take a late round flyer on him. Uh, That said, I'm really bad at fantasy. So maybe (laughs) you should do the opposite of what I'm suggesting there. (laughs) Well, same for me. Uh, they don't, <laughs> don't tell anybody and then nobody's listening to this. Hopefully, but I'm not so great at it either. No. Um, I think Lowe's really interesting. I think he's more of a target for 2024, 2025, but if he does get the chance, he's absolutely somebody that I would swoop up and add to my bench that I would take kind of a wait and see approach here too, because the one thing about Tampa Bay is outside of, you know, a few of their guys like Wander and, um, Brandon Lau, Going to see a lot of platooning, going to see a lot of mixing and matching. And that's, I don't imagine that he's going to get a lot of at-bats against left-handed pitching. And that's going to hurt him for fantasy purposes. But yeah, I do think that the power and speed has a chance. He would be a guy who, if he got traded, and Lord knows that the Tampa Bay Rays have made a trade or two in their time. If he was somebody who was moved in a bigger deal, 
I'd be all over it because I still believe right. in the skill set and I think he would have more of a chance to be an everyday player. Tampa Bay, you know, they do lose trades here and then. They have a pretty good idea. So it would worry me a little bit if they gave up on him. I'll ask you quickly, too. We didn't go over this guy. Vidal Brujan, what are your thoughts on him going forward? I think it's a good thing for him that he has that fourth option year because otherwise I didn't see how he was going to break camp with his team. And, you know, unfortunately, he's not far removed from being a top prospect either, but he was never one of those young Tampa hitters who just really struggled last season. And Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting because, like, so often it feels like Tampa Bay knows exactly when to bring these fellows up. They know exactly how to help them hit the ground running. And last year, for whatever reason, I don't know what exactly it was, it just didn't happen. And uh, I, I I will propose this. I was going to propose this anyway. If you saw that Josh Lowe and Jared Kelnick had been traded one for one, what would your reaction be? Oh if it happened, God. like if you logged off this and you saw, uh, like that's a great challenge trade, but oh, what would your thoughts challenge. be? Would you be like, would you be like, man, Kelnick is about to go crazy? Yeah, or would you be I like, think so. I yeah. think so. That's, that's a tough one. And I do like Lowe, but it's be, I think Lowe maybe has the higher floor of the two, just and that may be just because we've seen what the floor of Kelnick is, and it's awful low. It is. I hope that's. I hope. I hope we've seen the floor for Kelnick. Yeah, exactly. If he can go lower, yeah. Um, I will say for (laughs) Bruhan, um, the one thing I do kind of like here is the speed, and it's not elite. His sprint speed was in the 83rd percentile. I think he's actually faster than that. Um, but I do think he has a chance to be a real stolen base guy. Showed a little bit of power there for a brief moment, I believe, in 2021. That was absolutely not real. He'd be kind of a guy that I'd be cutting bait for. And a guy I think you could maybe cut bait for. This is a tough one for 2023 especially. But I got to ask you about Christian and Carson Ocean Strand because holy crap. He's hitting 577, 556. It's very always very – that's how you know you're talking about spring training when the on-base percentage is lower than the batting <laughs> average. 577, 556, 1.192 with four homers in 12 games. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Encarnacion Strand was traded to Cincinnati from Minnesota in the Tyler Malley trade. Probably wasn't the most talked about guy in that trade. I think that was more Spencer Steer, who is going to start, I believe, at third base for Cincinnati this year. Who knows? Cincinnati's yeah. – sorry, Clay. Cincinnati's really, really bad. It's tough to keep track sometimes of the depth chart. Now, Encarnacio Strand has already been reassigned to minor league camp, so there is basically no chance that he's going to open the major league year. All right. But I've been so impressed with what I have seen from him. And, again, it's spring training. And, again, it's not against the greatest competition – and none of this really counts. But you can't help but notice the eye test. And RJ, this guy offensively passes the eye test to me. Yeah, I mean, the power is legit. I mean, we're talking about, like, what top of the scale power or close to it. Now, and I realize I'm nitpicking someone who is hitting 500, and that's absurd to say. But I think the fact that the on-base percentage is a little lower than the average actually – helps me introduce that one of his skill set flaws in the minors has been an unwillingness to draw walks. And because he strikes out a fair amount, I think he was around a quarter of the time in the minors last season or thereabout. You know, it's just tough when all you do really is hit for power. Like you have to usually have to walk or usually have to hit for some kind of average. And I'm just kind of curious what exactly his skill set is going to look like with constant exposure against MLB pitching. And I'm also curious exactly how they fold him into the lineup because Cincinnati added a lot of infield talent last year at the deadline in the draft. They already had some interesting infielders like Ella De La Cruz. I don't know quite who's going to be the odd individuals looking in and what they're going to do and when they're going to start trading from that depth. Right. But, you know, I mean, you can make the case that he's only the second or third most interesting third base prospect in that system, which is (laughs) kind of wild to say based on what we're saying (laughs) about him. Sure. You know, I don't, I guess I'm this, you know, know, and that's not his fault because he's going to be a big league player. He's going to find some team who will gladly employ him. I just have some, concerns about the skill set and i have other concerns about his pathway to a consistent big league job of cincinnati and until the former and or the latter are resolved i feel like he probably cannot be someone you target this year unless he actually somehow finds his way into the majors and you know for sure he's getting consistent at bats 
It's a tough one. And I will say, just pointing out the, the third base depth chart here, just looking at their top prospects, you've got Ellie De La Cruz, who's a shortstop, but I think ultimately probably makes a move to third base at some point. Noel de Marte, who's played a lot of third base lately. They have Cam Collier. They have Spencer Steer. They also have Sal Stewart, who they took fairly highly, who's at third yeah. base. Like it, It's pretty yeah. crazy. And then that's not even including Edwin Arroyo and Matt McClain, who are awesome infield prospects as well. I think the good news here is kind of bad news for Encarnacion Strand. I think he's a designated hitter. He's a well below average athlete, and he doesn't have – he has a, certainly a strong enough arm to play third base. But I think he's either moving to first base, which uh, Joey Votto is not moving off anytime soon, folks. I'm sorry. The, with that contract, Joey Votto is going to be playing every day at first base. But I think there is a path here as if the Cincinnati Reds say, look, this guy, we could maybe have Votto play some designated hitter as well. And if you really want him, if you're like considering, and Cincinnati's not considering winning, but like making that development for the next year, Encarnacio Strand, I think, makes a lot of sense. He would be someone I target in the late rounds because that power is legit. It could be plus plus. And he makes enough hard contact that I think he's going to hit for a decent average. He has a career 317 average in the minors. That's not sustainable. Not even close yeah. to sustainable. But I do think he could be like a 270, 275 hitter. And, you know, give you like a handful of stolen bases because he's a smart baseball player. I've talked to a lot of fo- people yeah. about him and they rave about his acumen. That's maybe one reason why he may have a chance at third base because he's going to work hard. It's just very hard for me to imagine that he's going to be good enough third base to be better than Noel Ve Marte or Spencer Steer or all right. of the names that we just named above. And again, I love Ellie De La Cruz and I think it's smart to give him a chance to be a shortstop. I'll ask you this, RJ. Do you think Ellie De La Cruz has a chance to be a shortstop? In the sense that I think he's going to get playing time at shortstop, I think that's a given. I mean, hey, O'Neill sure. Cruz is technically a shortstop still, right? And we know that, <laughs> that's true. You know, we know that they may need to put up netting behind first base to ensure that the <laughs> fans remain safe. Uh, but, you know, we'll see if he, maybe he works on his footwork and you know yeah. internal clock, and hopefully he improves in that respect. Because I love the idea of a six foot seven shortstop. I still think that's about so the game I saw at Joel Guzman. There's a nice. flash from the past, right? Joel Guzman. Go. Yes. Um, play shortstop, and it's like here's this guy who could be, you know, an NBA power forward, and he's out here at shortstop, and that's just really cool. I will add with Encarnacion Strand, if you move him in DH or if you move him to first base, all of a sudden he's a right, right first baseman or DH. Yeah, good power, admittedly, but I just feel like the replacement level is such that it makes it tough for me to really see him as like an asset. You know what I'm saying? Like he has yeah. to. He has to prove it to me. And if I miss on that skill set and that profile, so be it. I've missed right. before. I'll miss again. I mean, I thought Pete Alonzo. Do you remember the all the hubbub over the Mets potentially manipulating Pete Alonzo's service time? The spring yeah. came up. And I was like, you know, why would you ever manipulate the service time of a right, right first baseman? Sure. They, and you know, <laughs> Pete Alonzo has since made me look pretty stupid. So He's made a lot of people look stupid, man. He really has. And, then, and- but that's a great point about the profile. That is yeah. a um, something that it, even if it's not the right, right thing, it's just about the fact that if you're at first base or if you're a designated hitter, and this is my concern with prospects like Tristan Casas and uh, Kyle Manzardo, that they have to max out, and Matt Mervis, is they have to max yeah. out offensively to be relevant. There's no... Uh, he almost got to the hit tool that we were hoping, and he almost got to the power tool that we were hoping, but he's a good right. defensive player. Or he plays a valuable position. That doesn't work at first base. You have to be a legitimate middle-of-the-order type hitter at first base. Look at the number of players. that First base is as deep as it's ever been in fantasy. I mean, you take a look yeah. and be like, guys like Josh Bell, who would be like fifth or sixth off the board some years, are going like 18th, 19th, because there are right. just so many quality players and i'm sorry i interrupted you there but that was that's my big oh, thing no. with encarnacion strand is as a first baseman and assuming he can't handle third and it's not completely out of the question but assuming he does have to change positions that offense has to max out yeah and where's spencer Torkelson going in the draft this year like, uh late she, very very yeah. late I, 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 yeah are you are you in on torkelson or do you believe uh this is a 
unfortunate sign of things to come based on what we saw last year. I have to believe he's going to do better than he did last year. I know he even struggled in the minors, and that does concern me a little bit. But, you know, everything we knew about Torkelson prior to last year pointed to him being a good hitter and an intelligent hitter. And I know people have kind of went back post-hoc and said, oh, there was this in his data or this in his data. And we should have (laughs) known he was going to under – yeah, there's always – you know, you're just looking for a pattern at that point. You're looking for confirmation bias. And hey, right. In some cases, it's completely valid. You know, talking about Joe Adele's end zone contact rate, completely valid. I can see yeah. how we all miss the boat on that. It happens, unfortunately. You live, you learn, and you apply those principles to the next Joe Adele or who you think is the next Joe Adele. Um, but with Torkelson, I just have to believe he's going to be better than I think. I think he actually was the worst player in all of baseball by a wins above replacement on B rough. And, you know, he's a first baseman who had like a 70 or 60 OPS plus, of course, he's going to be really bad, but yeah, I just have to believe there's more to his game than that. If not, I mean, it may not be the worst draft pick the Tigers have made, uh, but it's, it's pretty tough one to swallow. My, my reason for believing in Spencer Torkelson is throughout all of that, that where he mm-hmm. just could not find hits to land and he didn't deserve a ton of hits to land His expected batting averages was in like the 20th percentile, but the chase rate and the walk rate were still good. He still kept a pretty solid approach. He just could not drive the baseball, which was such a shock for a guy who showed such enormous power potential, not just at Arizona state, but in the minors as well. Yeah. Like just not driving the baseball was really surprising to see. I've drafted him as a corner infielder in a few leagues too, where I've had Alec Bohm as my third baseman instead. Again, I am all aboard <laughs> the Alec Bohm hive uh, trade, man. I really do believe in him. But yeah, I, I think Torkelson is going to be much, much better. I think Riley Green is going to be much, much better. I think the Tigers are going to be much, much better in part because they cannot get much, much worse. That's going to do it for us. RJ, please uh, promote all of the good stuff you're doing over at CBS, my friend. Uh, I would just say you're expecting a dead cat bounce out of the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Um, and now he's going to cut me off before I can do my promo. But no, just go to just go to slash mlb Not to read me, although if you want to click my articles and slow uh, scroll very slowly, by all means. But to read Dane Perry, who I think we're in agreement <laughs> is arguably the best baseball writer. Best you know, I always tell Dane. I'm looking forward to the day he gets laid off because then he's going to go write a great American novel. I mean, he oh, is yeah. an insane talent. I love Dan yeah. and I hope he doesn't get laid off anytime soon. I'm just joking Same. about that. Yeah, but absolutely. Uh, Mike Exiza, Matt Snyder. Yeah. It's a really small, but really good group in my opinion and read them because I think they make being a baseball fan and being a baseball writer all the more enjoyable and all the more interesting. Yeah. It's a great team over there. And you won't do it because I've known you for a very long time and you're way too humble, but you're a very big reason why that team is uh, so good. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax again. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B and you can follow RJ at R underscore J underscore Anderson. That's a lot of underscores. So thanks again and we will see you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.